are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. In the last few days, I've had on my mind the word appointment. Appointment. And today, I decided that tonight we'd preach on appointments that everybody's going to meet and some that I've broken and won't have to meet. I hear people all the time talking about, I've got an appointment. I've got an appointment. I hear people every once in a while say, you know, I miss my appointment. Brother, I'll mention some tonight you won't miss. And then I'll mention some you better miss. And you can miss. I take two two books with me. One, a Prudence Concordance in a little leatherette farm. They quit printing them. I used to give one to every preacher where I went for a meeting. It cost ten dollars a piece. I think wholesale about six or seven. It's the most practical little book. Looks like a little Bible. Prudence Concordance. And the, the other book that I take, of course, is the King James Version of the Bible. That's all my library anymore. Don't have anything else. Gave my library away. Not because I don't need some sense. But I need more than sense, I need wisdom. And I've come to the place in these pressing times to believe and find out for sure. I can get so much more out of the Bible and get it quicker than I can reading through books and papers and all the rest of it. And preachers, I believe if you and I really live by faith, we live by the Word of God. And I don't believe anybody that's a stranger to the book can live by faith. And anybody that doesn't live by faith, you just might as well quit praying about pleasing God because the Bible says it's impossible without faith to please God. We come up to the church house and we say, Lord, may this service please God. We'll just have it by faith then. It'll please you. Throw away your little bulletin and order of service and start out by faith and wind up by faith. That'll please him. That's right. I believe. Amen. And the more I preach like that, the less invitations I get where the bulletin furnishes the order of service. I go where the preacher says, now you go by this and... And you stand when it says stand. And you come on where it says you come on. Now, brother, I don't mean to be hard to get along with. But I mean, I don't believe God's service ought to be that complicated. Amen. Amen. Turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. Hebrews, chapter 9. There are two great passages in this one chapter, but one of which we're going to give our time to tonight. 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, and then we'll go to the 27th verse. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. Now, not if that's so, but since that's so, I know that everybody ought to have an appointment for the blood. Because everybody's sinned. But let's go to the 27th verse. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now, I will say that it's possible for us to miss that necessary appointment. It's possible. I mean, now, I heard a professor one time to say, Now, students, if the Lord were to come right now, we'd all have to die before we could be raptured or before we could go home. Because he said it's appointed unto man once to die. I believe the Lord let me miss that appointment if Jesus came right now. I don't believe I'd take time to die. I believe we're just going home alive. But there's one thing I know tonight. If Jesus doesn't come and I live out my life, I've got an appointment with death. I don't look forward to it. I'd rather go by the rapture route. But I believe that if God gives me living grace, he'll give me dying grace. And I want to live like a Christian, and I also want to die like a Christian. So he said it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that cometh the judgment. Turn to Acts 17. Acts of the Holy Spirit. Acts 17. I've been reading and preaching some eight messages out of the book of Acts today. I love the book of Acts. That's where the action is. That's when the church is up to concert pitch. I mean, that's when he's in tune. That's when the Holy Spirit filled him up. Made him like a cyclone. Had a rough time. And is a bloody church. It is hated and despised by the world and especially by religion. But I tell you one thing. They turn the world upside down. <laughs> and the world's turned upside down now, but the church ain't turning. It turns it didn't turn it. The devil's got it turned upside down now. And so in this great chapter, the 17th chapter, we find these words in the 31st verse. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he would judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Now this comes at the close of the 30th verse that says, Now com commanded all men everywhere to repent. One of the doctrines that is left out is repentance today. Right. I mean, we don't have much repentance. People join the church, say they believe in Jesus. But I believe without great conviction, there's not any good conversion. 
And I believe when we join the church without repentance, we won't be a blessing to the church. And I believe when we get people in the church that haven't repented and turned from sin, it'll weaken the church and we'll grow unhealthy churches. And really, I don't think our greatest need is to get more members. And this may be unpopular, but nevertheless, I believe if we had everything in our churches today on fire for God and filled with the Spirit of Christ, it'd be a sight what could be done for the Lord. And so he said, he winked at their ignorance for a while, but he's commanding all men everywhere to repent. I believe repentance is necessary for salvation, first sermon Jesus every place. Introductory message to Jesus in John's ministry was repentance. Jesus preached repentance. Last sermon Jesus ever preached was repentance. He's preaching to the seven churches in Asia Minor. So if you don't repent, take your candlestick away from you and it's gone. You know, brother, that's a sober thought. Did you know God's not obligated to keep, uh, to bless anybody's church if it doesn't stay with the Lord? Did you know the churches can die today just like they died back then in Asia Minor? You let a church, listen, God said to Saul, because you have rejected the word, I've rejected you. I believe that God reserves the right to reject anything and everything that rejects his word. That includes a home, a church, a nation, or whatever it may be. But he said he's appointed a day in which he'll judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. That man's Jesus. Everything that we do is going to be judged in the light of our relationship to Jesus. Every bit of it. Alright? God hath not appointed us unto wrath, the Bible says. And yet, now to me, if we meet the appointment of wrath, that's out of the will of God. I do not believe that the Christian has to meet the appointment of wrath, the wrath of God. I want to say those things now before we get into the message and talk with you about some appointments that we're going to all have to meet. Number one is the appointment that I had nothing to do with at all. And that's my physical birth. The Bible says, Ecclesiastes, there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. And then in that 11th verse... He said, God has made everything beautiful in his own time. Now that means that birth can be beautiful and death can be beautiful. Everything beautiful in his own time, in his time. You know that verse that said, if the law, if the soul has lost his savor. You know who saved that? That's Jesus' savor. If the soul doesn't taste like Jesus, it's lost his savor. Yeah. It's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men or made a highway or a roadway. When? When it loses his savor. Brother, you and I are to taste like Jesus. We're to walk like Jesus. We're to talk like Jesus. And we're to be imitators and participators in him. Yes. There's the first birth. You know, the doctors, they never have been able to explain the physical birth. They never have been able to predict with absolute accuracy when the child will come, when the baby will be born. You could offer a doctor $10,000 and say, Doctor, if you tell me the week, 
the month, the day, the hour, the minute, the second that my baby will come, I'll give you $10,000. He said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can never predict that at all. And yet, God knows exactly when he's coming. God knows exactly when. In due time, and there's a due time for everything in God's plan and program. Wouldn't it be wonderful? I'm speaking today on that, um, on that uh, verse over in the book of Acts where uh, Paul uh, was going up to Jerusalem and they said, don't go. You know, they took the girdle and they tied it up and they said, now you're going to be tied up. And sure enough, they put a couple of chains on him when he got up there and beat him up. And he started climbing up the stairs and he said with blood running down his face, Sir, permit me to speak to the people. <laughs> I want to preach to them. Why, if it had been me, I'd have been hollering for a doctor. Somebody had bandaged me up. But he said, let me stand here and preach to the people. And he said, all right, just go ahead. And he stood on the stairs uh, with his bloody body and preached to the people. Gave his wonderful testimony of how Jesus saved him. And then they tore into him again. Ah, listen, dear friends. Paul said, want to be like him? Be like him. Well, there's a birth. The first birth. I had nothing to do with it, but I was born on time. God knew it. I wasn't born in the hospital, but I got born. I mean, I was out there in that old country home, and uh, my mother uh, gave birth to me, and, and uh, I accepted it, and I've been calling her my mother until she went home to be with the Lord. And uh, I, I, God appointed me a birth. There's a ne next appointment that I'd like to mention to you. And this is one that many people have missed. I believe that it's in the will of God. And there's been a second birth place appointed. I believe it's God's will for sinners to be born again. I believe the Lord loves every sinner on the face of the earth. For God so loved the world, and that's big enough for me. And I believe that it's not his will that one should perish. And God has set up another birthplace for you. And yet, that's the one you have to use your hearing and sense and choose for yourself. After you heard the... Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I read in the book of Ezekiel today where he said, Why will you die? Why will you die? In other words, if a man dies, he has to be willing to die. Oh, remember that old song? When the living rock, sheltering rock is so nearby, why will you die? Why will you die? Oh, you're talking about the old songs while ago, Brother Preacher. There is a well in the desert plain. Its waters fall with entrancing strain. Inviting every sin-sick soul, come on and drink, and you will behold. And why will ye die? Oh, why will ye die? When the living well is so nearby, then why will ye die? Don't miss that appointment here. God's got a well appointment. He's got a well He's got a well curb with Jesus sitting on the curb waiting for that old sinner. Don't miss that one. Don't miss that one. Oh, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. And he said, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Now then, I want to speak briefly about some broken appointments. Some broken appointments. I've broken some appointments. When I was born the first time, I had an appointment with hell and with sin and with the devil. And one July night in a little country church, and an old-fashioned, slender, tall preacher told about Jesus. I broke that appointment. I really did. The devil had it all set. I was to meet him. And I was going home with him. And he was my daddy. He was my father. He had it all fixed up. And I was to live with him throughout a long eternity. That night when he presented Jesus, I broke that appointment with the devil and said, I won't be showing up. Amen. I'm not coming. Oh, I changed directions that night. Yeah, listen. <laughs> Jesus saved me that night. Ah, uh, listen. And, and when I changed, and when I broke that appointment, I made an appointment with heaven that night. And brother, just sure as this book so and it is, I made a permanent appointment too. I mean, that's eternal. He said, I know that whatsoever the Lord doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing. And the Lord did it. It's, nothing can be put to it. Nothing taken from it. And the Lord doeth it that men may fear. And that night, when I broke that appointment with the old sin, old smutty face, and the devil in hell, I made an appointment with heaven. And it, he gave me everlasting life. He gave me eternal life. And he sealed my soul. And he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. And so I got something permanent. I got a relationship that night, and then along with that relationship, he gave me a fellowship. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. And so I'm glad tonight that Jesus gave me something eternal when I broke my appointment uh, with hell. But you know, there's another appointment. And this may not be organized to suit some of you, but this is just some thoughts that came in my soul. There's an appointment that many people ought to keep, but they've never kept. This is no contradiction. I believe that God has set up an appointment for every child of God that's ever been saved. I believe he's set an appointment with death. Watch it now. I believe that every person that ever gets saved ought to die. To the flesh. Yes. Paul said, I'd die daily. Paul had an appointment, if I could say it, every morning early when he got up with the undertaker. He said to the undertaker, I want you to haul old Paul off today. And I want you to bring Jesus back when you come. I'd die daily. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I that lives, but Christ liveth in me. The greatest need I believe in our churches today is crucified church members. When you get crucified, your feelings won't get hurt no more. When we die to self, you can't hurt a dead man. No, you can't. Oh, listen, I'm crucified with Christ. To me, the greatest chapter in Christian living is, of course, I love Colossians and Philippians. The third chapter of Colossians, the third chapter of Philippians. Paul said, as he talked real spiritual talk, and I'm afraid many folks have never entered in to this conversation. He said, I've, um, 
counted all what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. He goes on to say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Being made conformable unto his death, not his life. Paul didn't ask for the miracles. He asked for the death of Christ. He asked for the death. He said, I want to know him in his death. He knew if he knew him in his death, he'd know him in his resurrection. Amen. He said that I may know him, that I may be found in him. Then he said that I may win Christ. That's a courting term, isn't it? Win him. He is courting. And listen, I believe when, when, when Paul was saved on the Damascus Road, I believe he got engaged to Jesus and went steady from there on. I mean, he never did break that engagement at all. Oh, listen, dear friends. I believe that tonight you and I ought to be busy winning Christ. We ought not to flirt with the world. You know, it's so strange. The things I preach today seem so new to some people. I mean, people just kind of get up in the knots, you know. You mentioned television. You mentioned a bunch of little old silly ball games and bowling alleys and a bunch of little Sunday flirting around with boats and motors. And people say, well, what do you think? What do you expect of us? I don't expect any of you. God expects a lot of you, though. Amen. If he owns you, why don't he? could use you, look like. He bought you lock, stock, and barrel. My daddy never did buy a yearling, but what, he could kill him any time he got ready. And I tell you something else. My daddy never would own a heifer that wouldn't have a calf. He'd shout turkey at the butcher market. I asked him one day, had a great big old white-faced cow, and said, Dad, if I don't care, I wouldn't have a calf. What'd you do? He said, hmm, what do you think I'd do? Take her to market, she'd be butchered. I said, what if the Lord would do us all like that? We didn't reproduce, he'd butcher us. You say, that's him. No, wait a minute. Maybe you haven't read John yet. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he butchers it. Huh? He takes it away, the Bible said that. Oh, listen, dear friends. God has a right to use what he buys. And I guarantee you, we're willing to say, oh, he owns me, all right. How much of you does he own? We ride that old tithing horse all over the country, his ribs sticking out. We've talked about tithing, tithing, tithing. Do you tithe? Have you brought your tithe? Do you tithe? And let me tell you something, brother. You know what Jesus endorses in this matter of giving? It's all and not tithing. And just keep breathing, because I'm going to give an account to God for what I'm saying. Since when did a Christian give 10%? They told me when I went to school, they said, you give one-seventh of your time to the Lord and one-tenth of your money to the Lord. Well, that'll make a hypocrite out of anybody. <laughs> and that's what Jesus called him to. Listen, you've never learned to live. You preach your brother and listen to me. You've never learned to live until you recognize that everything you have belongs to God. Not how much you're going to give, but how much you're going to have to keep. That's more blessed to give than is received. That's when we got so many little old knees with tom thumbs in our churches today. They've never learned the blessing of giving. That's when we're so dried up and shriveled up. We haven't learned to give. Oh, I know we hear people get up a word a million times. Well, now y'all can't out give God. I don't know if anybody's trying it hard, do you? <laughs> hey, hey. 
brethren, I want y'all to give this tonight, will you? Sometimes they use me, you know, they send to this great man of God. He's doing a great work and he needs your help. And, oh, listen, I want you to do, that's the reason I don't much, I, I appreciate the way preachers take off. And so just, just get up and tell them what it's about and let them give, see. Lord, and tell them what to do about it. It's been spending 45 minutes begging for a bunch of money. I'm telling you, if you get it, you they lose the blessing because you begged it out of them. Oh, hear me tonight, dear friend. God's people ought to give because they love Jesus. Didn't anybody beg that little widow? She's begging to give. She gave everything she had, and Jesus said, that's wonderful. It's good. Best giver of God. The little thing standing over there in a calico dress, a little homemade dress, a bonnet on. Jesus said, we've got a great giver here today. I can see them chests sticking out with them fellas that wrote the big check and splashed it in Jesus' face. <laughs> Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about y'all. Talking about this little woman right here. She gave everything she had. Everything she had. Dear friends, Jesus gave everything he had. Paul gave everything he had. And I believe that God's people ought to come to the place where everything we have, including the wife, every child we've got, the car, everything we've got, you better not own something that Jesus doesn't want. Amen. You better not be buying something he can't use. Amen. Broken appointments. Have you broken that appointment with death? Have you ever come to the place? Have you really? Where you've died to self. It doesn't make any difference. I mean, people can't hurt your feelings anymore. You're not going to complain or whine. Oh, so many times, so many times, I've had a wife to say, Brother Law, you really hurt my husband. Because he won't come back anymore. You hurt his feelings. And he left. Dear friends, you can't hurt a dead man. I say again, God's people need to keep an appointment with the undertaker. And when we die to self, then Jesus comes to live. He said, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now then, there's another appointment that we're going to have to keep. And God will, he'll see that we keep this one. Every Christian is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us. And for every ugly thing, for every deed done in the flesh, and everything we do has got to pass through the fire test. And he said there's wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, and precious stone. Now you know which ones will uh, stand the test. Now you know what the gold... And the silver and the precious stone. Now, I know what the gold is. And that's number one. That's the Word of God. And everything we do that's going to go before the judgment that will stand is going to have to be done scripturally. Yeah. I've got to be born of the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. That'll stand the judgment. fact is, that'll fix me up for the judgment seat of Christ and not the white throne judgment. I mean, when I'm born of the Word of God. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And I tell you, when, 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 when you know down in your heart that you've been born again, then I believe you're ready, and not until then, to perform some duties and works and services that will stand the fire test. Everything. You know, I'm amazed. I'm just amazed 
that so few people ever memorize any of the Bible anymore. We know so little concerning the Word of God. I'm issuing a challenge again, and I'm going to stay with it, and some are accepting, but most people are too lazy. I'm, it, and I'd like every preacher here to accept this challenge for a renewed ministry and a greater ministry. It's something concrete you can get your hands on to and get into, and God will bless you and your people will sit up and take notice and won't go to sleep so much under your preaching. You memorize 60 chapters of the Word of God the next five years. That's one every 30 days. I dare you to do it, and then write me at the end of 60 months and say, hadn't made any difference in me. Oh, yes, it will, brother. We've spent our time memorizing little texts when we ought to have been memorizing great chapters. You say, what chapters? Well, I'd certainly start off with Psalm 1 and Psalm 19 and Psalm 23 and 24 and 51, that great broken-hearted psalm. I'd memorize Psalm 91, Psalm 100, Psalm 121, the traveler's psalm, before you get on the highway, quote that one, you know, how the Lord takes you out and brings you back. And then uh, I'd memorize the uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. That's the greatest sermon ever preached to Christians. And I'd memorize uh, uh, Romans chapter 8 for sure. And then I'd memorize Hebrews chapter 11. You start off with those and see what the Lord does. What do you think he means when he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God? I went off to college to Balaam to the seminary and they began to say, Memorize poetry. Memorize much poetry. Well, the things was pretty, but it wasn't powerful. <laughs> oh, I get I want something that'll break the devil's back. I mean, neck too. I want something that'll get a man under conviction. And it's the Word of God that'll do it. Then I'll tell you something else. I want something that'll keep, keep my old heart clean too. Jesus said, now you're clean through the words which I've spoken unto you. And I tell you, anytime I memorize one chapter, that's what he spoke to me. I need some soap. I need some real fuller soap. Now, here it is right here. And, and preachers, we don't know enough of the book to command the respect of the people. The average preacher preaches sometimes because it's his duty to preach, not because it's his joy and delight. Oh, my brethren tonight, if you and I would go to work on the Word of God and memorize it, I mean by the yard. Just mem and by the page and by the chapter. And if our eyes failed us or if we went blind, just stand up and preach it anyhow. See? We'd have it in our heart. And then, dear friends, I say this tenderly without any complaint at all. In some of the dark nights, when my soul is disturbed and when the blessings and I can hear the cry of a million souls. Down in Egypt land. And I wake up. I can start quoting chapter. Great 53rd chapter. Who hath believed thy report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord with thee? Preach sometimes. I preached and jumped out at the back window and run home. Didn't want to meet anybody. Went to sleep crying and quoting who hath believed thy report. Why, Lord, didn't they believe tonight? Why didn't those old sinners come tonight? Oh, listen. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form to come to us. When we shall see him, there's no beauty. And we should desire him. He's despised and rejected the man, the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Still is. The most despised man in Gainesville, George, is Jesus. 
He lasted three years when he entered his public ministry. I don't know how he could last three years if he came back and exposed himself to the wickedness of this generation. And preachers, we might as well make up our mind. We cannot be any more popular in our community than Jesus if we follow him. If they love him, they'll love you. If they love his word, they'll love you if you identify yourself with his word. Christians, there's an appointment that you're going to keep. And I'm going to keep. We're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, every one of you. But you know, there's another appointment that I'd like to mention in connection with that. And this, too, I believe is a voluntary appointment. I believe that there's an appointment for you and I after we're saved, and even as a sinner, we're to judge ourselves. There came a time in my little old ignorant life when I judged myself guilty of sin. I knew that I was a sinner. And so I accepted the fact that I was lost and undone. And then something else. I believe after we're saved, we're to judge ourselves from day to day. I judge myself unworthy. I judge myself insufficient. I judge myself without the knowledge that I need. I judge my... He said, if you judge yourself, you wouldn't have to be judged. And I tell you, there's another appointment that many times we want to keep, we ought not to. We want to judge others. And brethren, I'll just admit tonight, and I've said a thousand times and more, I never will judge anybody again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be unkind. I'm not going to criticize anybody else because when I criticize them, sometimes I condemn myself. And brethren, let me say to this great host of preachers here tonight, that's one of the weaknesses ordinarily of the average preacher is to criticize in particular his brethren. And I just plead guilty tonight, I, but I don't want to do that. Sometimes I, I get so disgusted with preachers that seem like won't preach the simple gospel of Jesus Christ until I feel like it's my business to straighten them out, but I just waste my time. I'll tell you something else. And that is, there was a time in my ministry, and may this help the preachers that are here, when I thought that uh, I could straighten out one man in my sermon, and I'd adapt a message to him. I found out, and God said, Son, now why don't you get him off by yourself and work him over and love him and help him? There you were starving all your sheep while you worked on that old goat the whole hour. See? <laughs> He said, you ought to be ashamed. Poor old sheep went home hungry, see, and you didn't feed them. I said, Lord, I'll quit that. I'll quit that. I'm going to feed the sheep. He didn't say, in the pain of the goats, he said, you feed my sheep. Over which the Holy Ghost hath made you the overseer. Oh, listen. I tell you what, if, if we'll feed the sheep like we ought to, I believe uh, the goats will take care of themselves. I, I really do. I believe if, if the time will come. You know, it's just like that old preacher said one time when one of the people got converted. He said, I don't know how I'm going to give up the old crowd. He said, don't worry. Turn on your light. They'll give you up. I believe that's right. Amen. There's nothing that will protect the church and take care of it like just preaching the gospel. Amen. I believe I can say after 35 years of preaching, I've preached out and through nine-tenths of all the problems I've ever had. Fact is, I've preached my own personal problems away. I mean, my preaching's helped me. Because I can't preach one thing and live another. My preaching's straightened out in my home. Yeah, that's right. 
I can't preach one thing to the husbands and then me go home and be different to my wife. Amen. And brethren, you'll find it to be so. You can't preach over a sorry home. Amen. You just might as well get that straightened out. And as we said last night, be a honeycomb husband. And, and preachers, and all of us, uh, need to practice the simple gospel uh, that we preach. There's a judgment seat for Christians. And then last of all, there's another appointment that we're going to have to keep. I've already suggested it. I don't have anything to do with it. God didn't tell me when it's going to come. I never looked far good Don't think about it and made no arrangements for it. But I'm going to be present and on time for this meeting, and they won't have it till they get there, and that's death. That's right. They're going to all meet somewhere, whoever comes. And uh, I want some preacher to get up and just preach away. I mean preach. I don't want some little sickly sentimentality. I don't want him to eulogize this old simple ignorant country boy and say, you know, this is a man that never made an enemy. You watch. If he says that, I've asked God for enough power in my right foot to kick the lid off the castle. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to make enemies. God knows it grieves me when people don't love me and when they don't act right and don't understand. But brother, I don't know how you can live in such a mean world and not have some enemies. The best men on the face of this earth have some bad enemies. Jesus had the most bitter enemies. They were so bitter till they literally rejoiced to hear the hammers crack down on those old nails that drove them through his hands. His religious enemies stood there and smiled a smile of contentment when they saw the blood spurt when the crown of thorns came down on his blessed brow. Paul, the best man of his day, died, went to the chopping block and said in the message I read today why I'm not willing just to be bound, I'm willing to die also. Dear friends, there's an appointment you're going to have to meet. I don't know why people think they're not going to ever die. 600 people died today because of their cigarettes. And 600 more are going to die tomorrow. And yet, they'll advertise every dirty piece of nicotine on radio, television, newspaper. Why? Money. And it's killing the American race of people. There's an appointment and you're going to keep it. You're going to keep it. There's an appointment with death. And the Bible said it's appointed unto man once to die. There was a man that lived 969 years, nearly a thousand years, and yet he died. You go back and read the Old Testament, they said he lived so long and he died. He lived so many years and he died. Never last one of us is on our way to our own funeral tonight. But dear friends, I believe that it's possible for every Christian in the will of God to live out his days. Paul said, I've finished the course. I've, I've graduated. He graduated with honors, though it was a dishonorable death. Dear friend, let me ask you this. Does death hold any fear for you? We used to sing the old song, Will there be any stars in my crown? 
when at evening the sun goeth down. You know, people used to look forward to heaven. When God called me to preach many years ago, my daddy let me have an old Model A Ford with a mother-in-law seat in it. And I took that old Ford and went down to a little church in, in the sand country in Limestone County. I'd drive that old Ford down those old sandy roads, sometimes hit high center, get around stumps, and I'd drive maybe down as far as I could go. I'd turn into a wire gap, and I'd drive up that lane as far as I could go, and then I'd cut it off, and then I'd walk the rest of the way. Back up on some old sand hill, I'd find one of these old-fashioned houses with old fireplace on one side, you know, and hall in the middle of it, and little breeze blowing through on that quiet summer afternoon. There'd be a couple of old saints, old gray-haired saints sitting there in an old dog-eared Bible in each lap. They'd be a-reading away, you know. And when I'd walk up, they'd be, they'd say, Brother Olaf, I'm glad you come. We're just talking about heaven. And I want to ask you, do you believe we'll recognize our loved ones when we get to heaven? Well, I've been asked that a thousand. People don't ever talk like that anymore. Man, listen. You hear me tonight, and I'm not trying to be funny. You give the average American family wall-to-wall carpet, a couple of cars and a television set and a bowling bag with some old balls and a golf course to go to, and maybe an old camper to take off on Sunday. That's all heaven they want. That's about all they're going to have, too. Oh, listen, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We're so foolish. We talk about going out to relax, and we come back so tense we're fighting everything in the car. Oh, we take our camper, and we get away from everything, including God. Preacher said to me not long ago, he said, I'm looking forward to my vacation. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to even take my Bible with me. He said, I want to get away from everything. He's already away from more than he knows about it. I mean, what's wrong with us? You mean Jesus is a burden to be around? You mean heaven's not something sweet to talk about? And then, there's one more appointment that's got to be met. And I've missed this one. And that's the white throne judgment. There's going to be a private judgment for a public crowd. You talk about a crowd. Oh, my soul. You talk about a solemn morning. I dream that the great judgment morning had dawned, the trumpet had blown. Dear friend, every sinner is going to be present in on time. Poor, trembling, lost sinners. Loved ones, kinfolks, neighbors, anybody without Christ, unsaved preachers are going to stand stripped with no wedding garment, looking into the face, unspeakable, speechless, no argument, standing before the judge of all the earth, waiting for the judge to pass eternal sentence. All sinners are going to be there. Every sinner, the mysteries of the seas, and all the wars.
earth when crumbling bodies fell from exploded planes. Bodies were devoured by sharks and those bodies would get together and walk out to the judgment. One of these mornings they'd go into the judgment. That's the most horrible morning the world will ever know. When poor trembling sinners will bow their sinful heads and say, I missed Oh, that old loudmouth preacher was right. Jesus could have saved me, but it's too late now. And we'll see them as they turn their backs on heaven and go down that long, black, dark corridor towards hell. They'll hear before they ever get there the screams, walk inside those black gates from which they'll never return. That's an appointment every sinner's got to keep. Though the world laughs at it, you never hear it mentioned anymore. We used to sing songs on the judgment. The little black-haired lady came in the first church I ever pastored, and she said, Brother Olaf, I notice you don't have much special music. And I said, No, ma'am. I don't guess there's anybody can render special music. And she said, I'd sing. I'd sing. I said, Didn't you come tonight with your book? And she came that night. And she sang, and that's been 35 years ago. And that's one song that's never left me, and it never will. And she sang out loud. She opened her mouth wide. You could hear it all down through the trees and the little old sandal roads. She sang, Lost! My soul is lost, forever doomed, forevermore to dwell in the pangs of outer darkness, in the never-ending hell. Lost my soul is lost forever. And sinner friend, just as surely as my life is eternal, your death will be eternal. There will be no penitentiary sentence to serve. There will be no annihilation. It will just be permanent. Away from the Lord and away from God's people. Would you like to know Christ tonight briefly? This is the way. Admit that you are a sinner. You've never been born again. Admit that you cannot save yourself. Admit that Jesus Christ died for the such as you and rose again the third day, according to the Scripture. And then do it today. And make now the time. And Jesus will save you and wash you from your sins in his own precious blood if you put your trust. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.